0: music mm-hmm. Galaxy fans. This is Jessica in the pilot seat for chapter 164 of the Rule the Galaxy podcast, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Tonight, we are joined by both Nick and D-Doc, and we are going to, uh, you know, have a great conversation. We've got a lot to talk about. Not, not everything related to Star Wars, but, um, you know, this is, uh, this is, is uh, a really big month just for nerds in general. We've got lots of franchises coming out with um, new TV shows, new content. And so I think that we're just going to kind of spend some time talking about, you know, what we're watching, what we're enjoying, because those things may not be exactly the same and uh, what we're excited for in this time. So um, gentlemen, thank you for joining on the conversation and uh, how are we all doing?
1: We're doing good. Go for it, D-Doc. (laughs) <laughs> I'm doing good. Um. Uh. Actually, uh. After I hosted last Tuesday, I woke up Wednesday morning feeling like crap and was sick all week. Happened to be my first bout with COVID, so I got it for the first time finally in like <laughs> however long it's been around. Uh, and I work at a healthcare place. I, I honestly thought that I. Uh, I honestly thought I've been immune to it at this point, but it, it was amazing to me because it's like. I had all this energy, hosted the podcast, woke up Wednesday morning and was just like, pff, next thing you know, down for like six days. But I'm back. I'm feeling good. I'm ready to uh, have a, a nice episode of Rule of the Galaxy podcast here. Look at
2: you, you late adopter.
1: Just I know. getting in, getting in while, while it's fading out. I know. That's, I thought I was immune. I really did. <laughs> I'm just I, like, I must have that, you know?
0: I haven't been touched yet, so I'm not... I'm oh, not sure, I'm but
1: I—I
0: don't think that that's an accomplishment so much as um, a reflection of the fact that I have very little real life. So <laughs> I guess the uh, oh, the uh, the benefit of having most of your friends and family living on other sides of the country is that everything is already like all of my relationships are already maintained via you know phone, Skype, Discord. There you go. So it's not an accomplishment, no, but we'll see. Um, yeah. So yeah, for, for me, it's uh, been a busy last couple of weeks too. I've, uh, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I only pop by once a month or so anyway, but within the last month, um, I finished my final paper for my graduate school degree. So wow, let's was, go. Congratulations. Yeah, Thank you. So that was something that has been hanging over my head for a while should have been finished a long time ago and never was, but um, feels good to have it done and now it's kind of like, oh, the world feels so open and like wow. a new chapter of my life can begin.
2: Yes, we should we should know this, but remind everybody again what you' what you're doing, your doctorate working.
0: Well, it's, I, I went to uh, graduate school at Wheaton College in Illinois and um, got my I have two history degrees um, in, uh, in this recent one was History of Christianity. Uh, wow. and a uh, special emphasis in the Reformation era, which is a lot wow. of fun, because um, my, my uh, like, totally by coincidence, what got me into Star Wars, as everybody knows, because I talk about it all the time, is Satine's story, and Satine was based on Elizabeth I, and one, on. of my, one of my big um, research interests always has been the English Reformation, mm. and uh, so that was just kind of fun when fandom not, and not a lot going issues.
2: on during that reformation period so not, no, not, <laughs> not at all <laughs> That's
0: but, it awesome. is, but it is really funny you know I mean it's it's always been said that that uh, Satine was based on Kate Blanchett's portrayal of Queen Elizabeth and when you watch I can the, see that. the two movies that she did I mean some of the dialogue you watch it it's just like this could literally be coming right out of like Satine's <laughs> mouth in 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 the context that they place her in so that That's yeah cool. that was kind of fun so that's what I've been up to. But now that's that good. that's over, now I actually have time to finally geek out again and watch all of these new shows that are coming down the pipeline. So, um, yeah, I don't know what what other people are watching, but uh, we've got uh, Marvel's She-Hulk, which is still um, in process. I think that I think that that the final is on the fifteenth of September, I think. And Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power just started airing. Game of Thrones with uh, House of the Dragon started right before that. And then Star Wars, we've got uh, Andor coming out in just a couple of weeks. And apparently, it's been pseudo confirmed that Bad Batch season two is also airing. Though, it's been confirmed in everything but an actual date, I think. Or, or do we have a date yet? I'm not, I can't remember
1: there there was someone on twitter who messaged like disney plus um help or whatever and was just like hey i see that the bad batch is on i just wanted to make sure is that still coming out uh september 28th and they were just like like you know disney plus app administrator responded to them was just like hey yes you know Bad Batch season two will be out September 28th. They just said, yeah, it will be. I'm just like, what is going on here? There should be more hype. <laughs> if this is coming out in uh, 22 days, like, well, it, like it's crazy to me.
0: Especially since, I mean, there have been things that have come out, wink, wink, as long as you have watched trailers that premiered at some of the last conventions. and But like, other than that, there's been nothing that has been put out to the general public.
2: No, but I think the machine's rolling. So like, if you ask me, we got Disney plus day coming up the D 23 expo. I I wouldn't be shocked if they quickly were like, Oh, Hey, by the way, bad batch is coming in three and a half weeks. And like, let that be the Mm -hmm. driver that just explodes this thing. And, and people, yeah, you know, and people go nuts. I think it's a big enough IP that people will be, be really fired up and, and pumped about Let me ask you this. Wait, you, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about uh, She-Hulk. I understand this isn't a Marvel podcast. Have either of the two of you watched She-Hulk? Okay, so no. here's, my, here's what I'm interested in. Um, I was fired up about uh, Loki when it first came out. I was like every week watching Loki, seeing what was going on. Um, and then uh, WandaVision, was all about that too. You know, thought that was really cool and excited about that was watching it. I started watching Moon Knight um, and I was like, you know what? Like, this is fine. I, you know, it's okay. I am feeling like I'm losing steam on Marvel. And I, I, I didn't realize it until She-Hulk started coming out. And I was like, man, I just not, like, I don't feel like this urgency to have to go watch it or like be wary of spoilers. Am I the only one that feels that way? Or do we, do you guys feel the same way?
0: Absolutely. No, I I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I've never been a Marvel fan the way that I've been a Star Wars fan, but I I have seen all of the movies. I've enjoyed them. I loved Wandavision. WandaVision was some of the most creative storytelling. The yeah. the great I mean, that was the greatest premise, perfect introduction to this new era of Marvel TV shows. I don't think anything has come close to the um creativity that that first show had and i also just like i i again i don't know if it's just because i'm more of a casual fan but i just keep losing steam in terms of like really trying to care about the new stories that they're trying to tell i was interested in like i was interested i watched loki it was it was good i watched falcon and winter soldier because i was interested in especially the what was next for those characters Um, But since then, I just really haven't found a lot that's kept my interest and kept me, you know, tuning in on, you know, er for er early morning premieres the way that uh, WandaVision did and then nothing has quite matched that. I
2: have felt that way since uh, Avengers Endgame, when Mm -hmm. you wrap up this incredible, like it was such a good bow on that series. And then they were like, I I watched Loki because I was like, well, that was so great. What's next? But I don't feel like there's been anything. And I know all the Marvel people that listen will be like, well, it's building, bro. Just take a deep breath and enjoy the ride and let it build. Uh, But I don't feel like it's doing the same thing as what it did before.
1: Yeah, that's been that was one of my wife's uh, maternity leave things was she just basically went back to square one and started rewatching all the Marvel movies. And I would tune in and out with her. Uh, She basically got all caught up on everything. me and her started some of the new stuff because i haven't seen eternals uh yet so i watched that i was just like that was entertaining you know but i really don't know bigger picture where this relates to everything uh you know and it's funny nick because i'm like on the same uh, spectrum as you as far as watching the shows it's like i'm like watch one skip one for some reason right now it's like i watched wandavision i skipped falcon winter soldier then I watched Loki. Then I skipped um Hawkeye for some reason. not 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 for any reason in particular. I'm just like, uh, I'm just like not like I don't feel like I have to watch every show right now, right I, and i i I can honestly watch a summary. like I like these characters too. That's a, I, it's almost like it's a weird thing because it's happening subconsciously where I'm like the. Uh, I'm losing a bit of interest. And I wonder if part of that is the power that Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. Had of being this guy in the middle with all these other characters with different personalities and seeing his big personality interact with all these other guys. And I feel Mm -hmm. like he played a huge role in what made everything so great. So I, I don't know where it's going. I mean, I hope it's going to a good place. It seems a bit in limbo right now. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the reason just, I bring it up to. Oh, sorry, Jess, go for it.
0: Well, I, I just building off of that. I mean, I, I agree. Like, there's something special about that first phase. I mean, it's Tony and the Avengers. And, like, that's, I mean, I just don't think that the uh, magic has quite been the same after Endgame. I think that everybody expected that. Personally, I'm waiting for Fantastic Four to see if I'll be excited about the future of Marvel because I don't think that I've been. Um, you know, that my excitement hasn't been cultivated because of what they've come out with before. I also think that part of the reason why I'm also in that realm of like, I, I don't really feel like I need to watch this maybe because of just kind of burnout. I just think that this year, 20, you know, 2022, like this was Marvel year. Like, I mean, we've, or no, well, 2021 was Marvel year. This year is a little bit more Star Wars year, but they've had so much come out in such quick succession. And this isn't like just going to a movie theater to watch a two hour movie. This is, you know, I, I, I appreciate that Disney has committed to the episodic viewing format. I personally think that it's a really nice return to, you know, the, the feeling that I always had in high school of sitting down to like sci-fi Fridays and stuff like that. Um, I think that Netflix is shooting themselves in the foot by trying to Maintain a binging type of culture. Mm -hmm. But in general, I also do think that, like, I think that Marvel has just completely been oversaturated in just the last year.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and I'd be curious too, like, so I don't know a ton about it, but, you know, for all the controversy that got stirred up around the end of Game of Thrones, where it didn't end the way people wanted it to end, you know, creates animosity in some people. However, you know, they launched this new show years later and people are chomping at the bit to watch it because there was enough time, you know, to let it breathe and, you know, move away from it a little bit. And I don't know if that was strategic or if that was just like, okay, now's the time to do it. But to me, I, I, the reason I bring it up, I'm curious about, you know, Star Wars and, you know, again, looking at other things and comparing. Sometimes Marvel and Star Wars get compared because they're so close in proximity on Disney+. Plus. I would just be curious, you know, how do you avoid the same trap of burnout and overdoing? And to your point, D-Doc, of like we're potentially three weeks away from Bad Batch and nobody's heard nothing about anything. And so like you, I'm trying to imagine a world where you've got Andor and Bad Batch happening at the exact same time. And that's either really cool because we've worked it out where like, it's they're both happening in the same timeline. Um, It's kind of like back when, Rise of Skywalker came out. What was, what was streaming right during that too? Oh, Mandalorian season one was right around that same time. And I can't remember if it was Rey that healed Kylo or if it was Grogu who healed uh, uh, what uh, Chubbs, and, from, er, yeah. Chubbs from, uh, from uh, Happy Gilmore. Mm-hmm.
1: You
2: know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't know who healed who first, but I do remember going, oh, frick, like they were talking to each other because this happened within like a two-week window when that episode came out. And then when that, like that to me, I thought was pretty cool. But I also think, you know, trying to keep that in sequential order is tough. So I don't know. I just hope it doesn't lead to more burnout where people are like, "Yeah, Star Wars. Now I'm with you, Jess. I'm more of a Star Wars guy than I am a Marvel guy. So I'll probably watch anything that comes out. And I prioritize that over other stuff. So I don't know. It's just interesting.
0: I do think that the thing that Star Wars has going for it is that it has both live action and animation. So it's, Mm. I mean, I think that when you're diehard fans, we're watching all the content, but that doesn't necessarily mean everybody is. And so, and like, you know, I even think like, you know, I've got the High Republic series back here, you know, these are the books that I've really enjoyed. And what's nice about that is that you get all of the adult novels and then in each phase, there's a young adult novel and a junior novel. And it's nice because when you're really into it, you get them all and you read them all. But I also think that it kind of helps to kind of say, like these are sectioned off for different people. You can read what you want. You can right. pass on what you don't want. But in general, I think that, um, I don't know, like maybe maybe that'll help a little bit with the burnout. I also think that, um, I mean, going forward, I mean, I know that most everything right now has really been, well, no I, I guess I guess we've already we already have had different eras. So you know we've we've got the Mando era, and we've got the you know, all of the shows that are going with that. And then this year has really been the the Kenobi era with you know Kenobi and Andor happening, or no, no wait, Kenobi is like 10 BBY. We've got Andor happening, you know, right into the buildup to the original series, um, we'll have, and, and I guess, so I guess Bad Batch falls into that, you know, post-Clone Wars era. We're going to be having a late High Republic show coming out. We're going to have Ahsoka in there. So I don't know. I, I, I wonder if the burnout will ever feel quite as, as, um, as significant as Marvel's burnout is when Mm. it's all trying to build off the same material in order to set up one big, gigantic story. Personally, honestly, Marvel has just gotten too, I don't want to say too complicated for me, but for me, Marvel was at its peak before Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. And for, like, I've, I've talked about this before, that for me, there was something in me that went... Okay, I get why they're trying to bring all of these characters together, but I just think that it's really funny when you watch that first Iron Man movie to watch that movie, which is like it's sci-fi, but it's also pretty rooted in reality. And right. watch watch that movie and say to yourself, in this universe, there is a talking raccoon and a tree in space. <laughs> right. And that's where like it's it gets hard for me because I'm the kind of sci-fi fantasy nerd who likes pretty defined parameters around the content that I enjoy and what I like is that Star Wars has a lot of really crazy characters and a lot of like like there's everything's going on I mean you got Dex's diner which is a literal 1950s diner and you know like that that's part of the world but I don't know for some reason Star Wars has already always felt like a more well-defined sandbox to me Marvel Hmm. Marvel keeps like it was really well-defined and then for me, like it was best defined when it was Iron Man and the Avengers. And then since then, I just feel like they've kind of shattered the outsides of the sandbox and they want to like play in this enormous desert. But to me, that gets messy and it makes it so that my enjoyment is kind of like, well, I guess anything's possible now. Like there's, there's really nothing constraining the story.
1: Yeah. Have right. you watched the Eternals, Jess? I have. <laughs> oh my God. yes. Yeah. And for uh, what you're saying there is almost why when that movie ended to me, I'm just like, how, like now that we're messing with, you know, time, timelines and time zones and, you know, these beings that have been around, like for, you know, the entire existence of earth and everything, it's just like, how far is this going? And and it's funny because as you guys have been talking about this, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? For Marvel, there's times where I'm like, I need to watch this just so I know what's going on. And it feels like you're like, all right, well, I, I got to watch it just so, you know, in case something comes up in a movie, I guess I just got to know what's going on there. Star Wars, I always want to watch it just because I want to watch it. I'm not worried that, you know, uh, you know, something's going to come up in the Taika Waititi movie when that comes out in seven years or whenever. But <laughs> yeah, it's like, when I, I I'm don't
2: know.
1: Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's like sometimes for Marvel, I feel like it's almost something more where I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I have to do this. If yes. I want to know what's going on, where Star Wars, I'm just a fan of Star Wars, where Marvel, I am too. And some of the things where I go into it, not expecting to enjoy it, I do enjoy it when it comes to Marvel. But I'm just like i can't I can't indulge in every single bit of it. there's There's a lot of it. It's hard to
2: well, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, Jess, at some point I'll have to pick your brain because I think you know, you talked the idea about having, you know, just such a quantity of of stuff to take in, that it does create burnout. I felt that exact same way about High Republic where I read about, golly, I read I read most of the major books and some of the offshoot ones they did. And I got to a point where I was like, I just don't care. Like I want to care, but I just, in the in the strain of what I have, I'm just lost in the shuffle of, uh, you know, what's going on. And there's so, I don't know. They, I'd be curious too what you think about that clearly you like them but for me i'm i'm uh i'm okay not knowing what happens with the space pirates
0: yeah it high republic was funny for me because i was very skeptical at first i was i i i am somebody who it takes a lot to get me invested in something new i really like you know if, if i if i love something I will accept every bad sequel over new content. <laughs> like I was, I was the kid who was like watching like Lady and the Tramp 2 when I was a kid because I loved the first one. Even oh, That though movie's
2: great. What are you talking about?
0: I, you know, Lady and the Tramp 2 is actually objectively much better than some of the other Disney sequels. Yeah, that movie was great. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Hunchback of Notre Dame 2, not so much, but I yikes. did also love that one.
1: Little Mermaid uh, 2, yikes.
0: I like that one. That one's okay. But um so what, Lion- about Le-
1: what about Leroy and Stitched?
0: <laughs> I didn't watch that one. But L- Lion King 2 was legitimately good. That's that's oh, yeah, my that's that's the that's the standard for me. But um so for, for me, like High Republic was hard to get into because I knew like you know, this is going to be you know sitting down to a whole different era, lots of world building, all of these different characters, and like objectively, you sit down with Light of the Jedi and in the first 50 pages you were introduced to so many characters and then a lot of them die which is really (laughs) like it it was really funny to like get to know a bunch of these characters and like think like oh I'm going to be spending time with these characters and then if you've read the book you know that objectively in those first couple of chapters there's reasons why you're not going to spend any more time with them but for me it was like I knew that it, it. I knew that it would either work for me or it wouldn't. Hmm. The Rising Storm is what got me in. The Rising yeah. Storm is like the you know the the second major um, you know adult novel, mm-hmm. and so like I went through all of all of the Phase One books and thought this is good. Not sure if I'm super into it. Rising Storm changed all of that. You can see I got my pictures up here. Oh like, wow! I, yeah, this it's absolutely. I think it's it's number two on my list of Star Wars books. The only thing that beats it Whoa. for me is, is Dark Disciple, which is a masterpiece. Wow. But that's what that's what got me going, and then and then as soon as I had that hook, then it was like, okay, now I'm invested. Read everything else. read read everything twice with relish. Unfortunately, they didn't stick the landing, mm. and so Fallen Star has really. Like I'm I'm still very, 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 very mad at Claudia Gray. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah,
2: which I was shocked by that too because I, I like every other thing that she's written. Um, and I was sitting back objectively going or trying to objectively go like, okay, was this just bad writing? Was this just what she had to work with? Is this just, you know, like when I mean- she was teasing the other day about the Lost Stars sequel that she's planning on writing, I was like, let's freaking go. Write that book and I will physically wait in line somewhere to pick up a a hardback copy of that and I'm not like I read everything through our public library here because I don't have the kind of money to just with with the kids at home you know to do that but I would go buy that one because I liked that so much I was so disappointed by Fallen Star that I was like you know what I love Rising Storm thought it was awesome I'm out with uh I'm out Here,
0: here here's here's my thoughts I now consider Claudia Gray to be the Ryan Johnson of the stars. Oh
2: novels. my god. And now <laughs> let me Don't
0: let me explain. That. Let me explain. Because objectively, like Ryan Johnson, she is a very talented writer. She does not play well in other people's sandboxes, though. Wow. Ryan Johnson also did not play well with JJ's sandbox that he set up. I, I, I fully expect that whatever Ryan creates that he has like full control over probably will be great. I may not like everything that he does, but I think that he's a great, you know, he's a great creator and I think that when he has creative control, he doesn't step on toes. Oops. Claudia did great with Lost Stars, which is all of her, you know, her original characters just kind of coming in contact with the rest of the franchise. She did really great, I thought, with with Master and Apprentice, which are characters that we like, but her, you know, in a premise that she was totally of her own setup, she she did really great with um, um, uh, Into the Dark and for High Republic because it was the first young adult novel in the series, so that had a lot of world building. What she doesn't do well is building off of other people in order to continue a story, wow. and it makes me very angry because it was like she didn't even read Rising Storm at all. She wanted <laughs> she she wanted to write the second part of the trilogy. She mm. wanted to write Empire Strikes Back and she even described Fallen Star as the Empire Strikes Back. And I'm like, but you're, you're writing the third part of the trilogy.
2: Yeah, like that part already happened.
0: That part already happened and it's a masterpiece. Do not step on it. But then, she, <laughs> but then, but then and this is what got me so angry is that not only did she want to write the second part it was like she almost took the same beats of rising star or of rising storm and then just redid it for fallen star but instead of a day at the fair being attacked by pirates it's beacon being attacked by pirates and avar's not there still it's still just stellan and elzar and it just yep. it's exactly the same See, and look, it makes me so mad
2: now d doc now you don't even have to read any of these books cuz you know <laughs> What's good and what's bad?
1: Well, I listen. I I don't have the attention span to read. I need to listen while I'm doing something. That's yeah. like ADD type stuff. <laughs> you there, and me but...
2: both, brother. I, those <laughs> were all audiobooks.
0: I, I, actually, I do too. I I don't really read anything without having the corresponding audiobook. So, um, I'm just grateful that I've got I've got two libraries. One one in Minnesota and one in Illinois. And between the two of them, I usually have everything covered, which is really nice. But yeah. And then I just get the physical copies for my own. That Wheaton Public out.
2: Library is no joke either, man.
0: No, it's good. It's good. Come on. And what's fun, what's funny is that my my one, my uh home library in Minnesota is even better. And they oh, have all of go. the like, you know, the uh they still rely on like the CD copies. And so it's just <laughs> I, I carry around a bunch of, of CDs in my car. <laughs> That's awesome. I feel like I'm still living in, you know, 2009.
1: So, uh, I was audio book up uh, right when I bought the little binder from, or didn't buy, right when I took the little binder of Harry Potter cassette tapes from the library. I was hooked on book on oh tape yeah, let's from go. there when I was a kid. But was it was, Jim, uh,
0: Jim Dale or or um, Jim Stephen Dale. Fry? Yeah, I think Dale it was Jim.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, I want to say it was Order of the Phoenix was the first one that I got on tape. And I was just like, this is awesome. Yeah. So uh, Jim Dale has like a very special place in my heart as, in my opinion, one of the best uh, audio book narrators uh, yeah. there are. He's capable of uh, making you shed a tear while you're listening to a book and like feeling funny about it. But
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, I think that was my first foray into audiobooks as well was, um, I wasn't allowed to read the books when I was young, because um, they were going to turn me into a wizard. Because um, you couldn't do witchcraft. because I, I couldn't do Yep, yeah, That was right. Um, but I but I listened to them when I got a job at Red Lobster after college, and I would come in early to roll silverware, and I would sit there and listen to Harry Potter for two or three hours. And man, that was just like that was that was the thing that got me through a pretty crappy job. But I was like, I get to come in and I get to listen to my books so
2: yeah <laughs> good for you yeah man that's awesome
0: but anyway you know this this conversation just kind of reminds me that that uh, the entertainment that we've got that's you know new and continually coming out like it's not just tv shows i mean it's i mean i know that uh you know the second phase of books is coming out for high republic in just a couple of weeks as well which my pocketbook really doesn't need that but we keep we keep we keep eating it up i guess um and and also i mean i don't think that i would i mean i i think that it's what i wanted to get at though the, the original question was like burnout and like i'm i will probably never not be mad at claudia for following star but i do think that enough time has passed where i'm like okay you've pulled me in enough to make me interested about phase two of the high republic which is set even before the original phase it's they're they're following like a original prequel sequels type format Mm -hmm. and so we'll see if it draws me in again the bigger question is whether or not they'll be able to get me on board with phase three which presumably will go back to the characters and since there's one particular character who isn't gonna be there i'm not Sure, I'm going to be very happy about that. Well, so.
2: and let's be clear, the only way that they could suck me back in for these books, and D-Doc, sorry to spoil this for you, the, only, for way, it. the only way that they could get me back into this is if, and, and maybe I just haven't read enough yet, just so you tell me if I'm wrong, is if the Sith are pulling the strings behind Marcion Rowe or Marcion Rowe, or however you want to say it. Like, that would be the only thing that would draw me back into this series because I'm having a really hard time with jedi versus space pirates like they're going toe to toe with the jedi and to me i'm just like I'm, I'm hitting a point where i'm like no it's it's jedi versus sith and if it's not that it's not that i'm not interested i just am not interested so if there was some sort of tie back where it was like oh by the way you know Plagueis or tenebris from the Plagueis novel are in the background you know, manipulating this and making this happen, I could get all on board with that and I'd go back and I'd read all the books to go, you know what, if that's helping build this overall narrative, awesome. If this is just like a flash in the pan, like, hey, you ever wondered what the Jedi were up to, you know, 50 years before Plagueis came on the scene? Well, I don't know if I'm, okay, maybe, maybe not. Um, We
0: don't have any anything about the sith no they're 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 very they're very committed i mean i i don't know why martian's not doing it for you for me i think he's a great bad guy and especially when like for me it's it's all about the audiobook version and his creepy (laughs) creepy voice that's the thing that like i like when i first got light of the jedi i started reading it myself and then got the audiobook and i don't know there was something about the voice that made him so creepy and dastardly and just terrible that like just totally got me on board so if that's what's mm-hmm. doing it if that's the thing that's not doing it for you i mean i don't really know what to say because i know that that going <laughs> Sucks forward
2: to because, that's a suck yeah. <laughs> because i know that you
0: know i know that um you know his his family storyline is a big deal and it's going to be a big deal in phase 2 because we're meeting his great 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 great, great grandmother who i believe has you know, ends up having a child with a Jedi. And
2: so well, hopefully his great great grandmother's a Sith.
0: No, she's not force sensitive.
2: Huh. We don't. Well, then I'm out. I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> right.
0: I'm out. Yeah. So we'll see. It'll I, I'm like I said, I'm excited for phase two, but um they got a lot. They they got a lot of healing that they need to help me do. And I don't think that they're gonna be able to do it. So <laughs> That's fine it's fine so let's talk again <laughs> okay my, th- this was one of the things that I wanted to talk about because we are so in like we're so hardcore into this new content TV sh- TV show streaming era now when was the last time like what was the last movie that you saw in theaters mm. and and if there's a difference like w- when was the last like franchise show that you um, you know franchise um, content that you saw in theaters? And do you miss that or do you like the new trend towards longer form storytelling in the form of episodes that you watch in in your home?
1: Mm. I'm on board with both, honestly. the The last thing I went and saw in theaters was Star Wars Rogue One, though, which I've seen like 20 times already, so uh yeah i don't know i i enjoy going to the movies i've been pretty vocal about it on here like i'm like a big keep the movies alive guy but again i'll say it for probably the 10th time i think that these two things can go hand in hand with each other i think that shows that have an extremely large audience such as game of thrones or lord of the rings where you're bringing in 10 million people to watch it on opening night um I think that these shows should be finding ways to have their season finales in a freaking movie theater. People I think will go to see it in a movie theater. You don't need to do a major release. You don't need to, you know, buy up every single theater in the country. But I mean, uh, if you, if you do, you know, viewings in select theaters, you can make some more money to increase these budgets on these shows. I mean, I would like to see, I would have liked to watch the Mandalorian season finale uh Mandalorian season 2 season finale in a movie theater. I know it's short. Maybe maybe you could have maybe you show the last ep- the episode before that so you have that time in the theater but I don't know.
0: Or maybe As Disney far... could just maybe Disney could just stop giving us sitcom length episodes. Maybe that's what yeah. they could do. Yeah. Could you I think? Think- i mean i think that it's so funny I, I mean netflix is out here trying to get people to binge and i'm like you're you're shooting yourself in the foot by wanting people to binge because now that stranger things is over they've got no new programming but then they're but then like within that they're giving like i think the stranger things finale was like two hours long in and of itself wow. and Good then lord and then really? of, yeah and then wow. rings and then rings of power came out and those were both hour-long episodes. Um, So I'm sitting here going, it's really interesting to kind of see how different streaming services are approaching this. I'm somebody who I really like the episodic viewing format, because I think that it allows time for fans to process it, Mm -hmm. it reduces burnout in that like, like, you've got longer to think about it, but you don't have as much content to consume at any one point. I just hate when Stranger Things comes out and it's just like, you have to binge it all or risk getting spoiled online. Mm. But then it's like, so Disney's got the episode format down right for me, but they're giving these really short 35 minute episodes. Stranger thing or uh, Netflix is, you know, all about the binging and long episodes. And I just don't know why they think that's working mm. for them. Right now, I mean, we're, I know we're only two episodes in, but Amazon ha- seems to have it figured out in terms of give us a good amount of content per- you know, periodically. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You, you know what's funny though, Jess? I, I would I would push on that just as far as like with the burnout piece. Um, I was watching Empire again two or three days ago. I was waiting for my, for my wife and my mother-in-law to come out from something. And I turned on Empire and I just like, put myself in the mind of it's back in the you know 1980 this movie's coming out you've only seen a new hope you get in you watch empire and your mind is blown and leaking out of your ears watching this happen and now i've got to wait another three years and literally just build the hype like i wish joe was on tonight just so we could ask him about that of like but we're all gift. we're all cursed with the with uh youth Right. So yeah, sorry, Joe, for saying it that way. But the idea of like he was a part of that waiting process and was like, I got to wait three years and let the hype build. Give me time to process. And I also feel like maybe this is true. And I, I felt it more during Mando season two than I did really in anything to Star Wars recently. where like, because we're doing so many episodes, you get filler in the sense of like not everything is equally as important. Right. So, like, I feel like in a movie, hey, we got two hours. The important stuff hits the hits the uh, hits the screen. Everything else hits the cutting room floor and can be flushed out in novels and in comics and stuff like that. When it's, you know, we're we're doing Book of Boba. And I felt like so much of that was was good, but it was also filler. Like for me, I would love to get back to the last movie I saw was Spider-Man Far From Home. Or no, what was it? No Way Home?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The, the last one where they did all the people that were in it. Yeah, that was
1: No Way Home. Yep.
2: Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I was leaving though going like, okay, man, when they were releasing Star Wars films like every year for the sequels, even though I wasn't nuts about Les Jedi, I was so excited to like get back into a theater and go see Rise of Skywalker. And even though I didn't love that movie, I haven't felt like i've not gone to a midnight premiere of any i haven't really even stayed up to watch midnight premiere of star wars stuff like i did when i was like oh the only option i have is like get in the car and go to the theater so i see both sides of it at the same point i do wonder if that would let it breathe and raise some of the hype if you got back to hey we're gonna do movies and we're gonna give you some time to like let that let the hunger come back more than just hey we're gonna wait you know a year and a half for a for a 12-episode series, I don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: I can see the benefit of both. I mean, I, I do miss. What's, what's actually kind of funny is that I always, ha- I have a curse of like coming into different franchises late in the game. Hmm. So I, I didn't find. I was always a, a Star Wars fan. I watched everything that came out in theaters. I enjoyed it. I even watched all of the Mandalorian season one, but it wasn't until the pandemic that I found Clone Wars and that's when I became a fanatic and so I haven't really seen anything for Star Wars in theaters since I became a true fan that's not true I saw I saw Empire Strikes Back when it was re-released but I was the only one in the theater because of the pandemic and so that was mm-hmm. a little bit of a sad <laughs> like a sad Hence, again why you
2: didn't get COVID
0: that's exactly <laughs> that also yeah. <laughs> there you go yeah, but was. same thing. Like I, I, found Marvel after Endgame had already premiered. Like you know, I watched Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Um, I didn't watch The Last Hobbit because it was just I just I just didn't, just didn't care anymore.
2: Oh, <laughs> yes. come on.
0: Do I have to?
2: If you're gonna watch it, go watch. So they released the extended trilogy of all three of those movies. Yes. and let me tell you, the the originals on their own. Bobo not very good you watch the extended version and they actually like put in pieces that help the storyline move across it's a whole nother franchise when you watch it okay and it's long I mean it takes a while but at the same point you know I left the theater after that last one going what the heck did I just watch like what was this and then sure enough they released it on iTunes the you know three and a half hour version and you watch it and you're like this is amazing why did they cut this stuff out like they should have just at this point, to your point, the only people that were going to see the final one were people that were bought into Lord of the Rings series. You should have just played that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to, to that point, I have a feeling that Rings of Power is going to do for Lord of the Rings what Clone Wars did for Star Wars for me. And so mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm really excited because, like, what, what, what I think is so cool is that I. Again, Lord of the Rings, just like with Marvel, I've always kind of been a casual fan. I've watched everything that's come out in theaters, enjoyed it, but there just hasn't been that connection. And I've never really been sure why. I have so many friends who love Lord of the Rings. Um, I tried reading the books when I was younger and it was like, I, I, I was a voracious reader, but I'm, I, I struggle with Tolkien because he's a master world builder, but kind of to his own detriment. Hmm. I'm not somebody you were, you will not pull me in if you emphasize world building over plot and characters and for me as a when i was younger i had a really hard time getting into lord of the rings because it felt like that what i like about rings of power is that it takes those characters that always felt uh, like very one dimensional to me namely galadriel and the elves and it feels like they're making them more like, of a, of a character and, like, a, of a culture now. And that's where I'm excited. Like, I know that hardcore Tolkien fans might have different views on things, but what I like is that, to me, this feels like a really good on-ramp for people who may not have had the same connection through the books or
1: the movies. Yeah. Okay. I so I'll yeah, Go ahead, Nick. No, you go. I was I was going to say, I mean, it's funny because, to me, Lord of the Rings... It's like you hear uh, people talk about seeing Star Wars in theaters when it came out. And it was like Lord of the Rings hit at a time for me where it was like I wanted to get into it because it came out around the same time as Harry Potter. But I didn't see the first the fellowship in theaters. So I remember it was for my birthday one year. I got the fellowship extended version. So the extended version was the first version of the fellowship that I ever watched. And then I went and saw Two Towers in theaters shortly after that. And that was one of those movie theater experiences for me where I'm just like, I, you know, to see to see the two towers in theaters when that came out, to see Helms Deep and everything, I remember being so lost in it and falling in love with Lord of the Rings at that time. So that's why I was so excited for this uh, Rings of Power show where this is like, this is even continuing off of the movies versus TV show format where it's like, now you do get to have that slowed down version of character building of, you know, being able to get to know someone better, longer dialogue scenes where people build their relationships, you know, people traveling to different areas and it not being as rushed as in the movie where you might only have, you know, two seconds in that and you're not going to see it again. You know, it's, it's yeah. uh, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm like giddy. I'm giddy about this Lord of the Rings show, and mm-hmm. I was nervous about it. Like, I, I just, I was just, it was one of those things where I was just worried. Where I'm just like, he's got, they're gonna do what they want with it. They're not gonna care about the original trilogy of it. They're just gonna want to create their own thing. And it's like, after watching those first two episodes, I'm just like, wrapped in a blanket, just like, let's go. I'm, I'm right back in. I'm, I'm into this. I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm go ahead, Nick.
2: No, D Duck, I, I am so with you. I'll be honest. This is the first show where I've gone back and watched an episode. Like I loved Kenobi. There was not one part of me that was like, you know what? I should watch that episode again. Like that was that good that I you know, like this. And it, it raises a couple of things for me. One, I love that you mentioned the story of going to see two towers. Um, one of my uh most distinct memories was my dad tried to take me to go see the first Lord of the Rings. And I was so daggum scared of Gollum in the yeah. opening credit scene. You know what I'm talking about? Just that where it's Galadriel that's doing the voiceover or Kate uh, Blanchett that's doing the voiceover that I like, my dad, like we left the theater because I was like so scared as a little kid. And can I be totally real? Like, I'm not afraid of a ton of things. I, to this day, I'm a grown A man and I'm still afraid of Gollum. And the only thing that talked me out of it was I was reading the books Back in college, realizing, oh, he's the size of a hobbit. Like, if he was here, I'd dwarf him in size. Not, oh, he's a fictional character, but just could I take him in a fight? To your point, though, do that. They. <laughs> you, grew, you're like, thinking
1: so. about squaring up with Dude, Spiegel. I I'm love I am thinking it.
2: about squaring up, not even like, oh, yeah, he's not real or a thing. Dude, I can't do it. it. Still to this day, like, I, I probably That's want to.
0: a Editors, precious.
2: So listen, I probably once every six months have like a reoccurring childhood nightmare about Gal. Like that's where I'm at. And I love it. And I can't get enough of the show. Um, But I I feel like what stuck out to me the most was that they have thrown the kitchen sink at this thing money-wise. Like when you watch this, I felt like I was watching Peter Jackson's trilogy, which I think is one of the most, I mean, for that came out, guys, early 2000s. Like Mm -hmm. this is like, same as, you know, Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones timeline. And it still holds up as some of the most beautiful, you know, cinematography ever.
0: Well, I they did, they did pay it.
2: for it. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, they paid for it. They did the right stuff. And I I could not be more excited. I'm waiting for Friday. Like, I'm counting down till the new one comes out.
0: See, yeah. my thing is, is that I worry about this because... I, it is it it is it is several cuts above anything that disney has given us
2: i completely and, agree
0: and hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully the writing will prove the same because disney has just had this terrible terrible habit of not sticking the landing of their shows which is really really disappointing
2: it's so super disappointing
0: i just my thing is is that i worry about what this is going to do in terms of when this is literally the most expensive TV show ever produced and it does look like it should be in theaters now I just worry that we're going to compare literally everything else to the most expensive TV show ever made and I don't really <laughs> know if that's if if that's fair I don't like I I really do miss the era of of you know sci-fi like I said sci-fi Fridays you know when I you know sit down and you, you've got you know, for for me in high school, it was like Stargate. I wasn't watching Battlestar Galactica, but it was Battlestar. It was Eureka. It, you know, it was Merlin was airing, like all of these different things. And what I liked was that it was like, you know, 21 or 24 episodes a season, 42 minutes long. And yeah, when you go back and you watch it, things can look pretty primitive, but that was because they were taking this budget and they were spreading it out over all of you know you know these long seasons and we've already seen how how these series are being more and more condensed just those 35 minute episodes of kenobi how long did we wait how long did we wait for six episodes some of which were only like 35 minutes long yeah and i'm just like i know that like like i i think that people are mistaken when they assume that these shows have unlimited budgets But we also know that they have good budgets. I mean, it's not like, you know, Disney is skimping on this. So I'm just like, where is this happy medium where, like, I do not want Rings of Power to push other streaming services to once again shorten content just so that the budget can go towards special effects. I do not think that that's right.
2: I think people would have said the same thing about Star Wars back in the 80s of like, so so what I appreciate most about this is like when you watch, there's there are two scenes in particular in Rings of Power right now that like my mind is just blown. Like when they go down to um uh frick, why can't I uh um Kazem- doom, Oh my gosh. I mean, just stunning, stunning, beautiful, beautiful world building. And <laughs> I felt like I watched it and the first thought I was like, we are advancing like film right here like watching this happen and like we can't go back like you watched this and now you're like this is how good it's gonna get and when we watched that ilm documentary that they did the whole thing was like it was it was yeah we need this to make this movie but it impacted everything we went to from then on out and so for me that's what gets me most excited about rings of power i think is like we've shown that we can do something that's really awesome and we'd throw tons of money at it um, but like, so I'll give you an example. I'm a big Star Trek The Next Generation fan. Like, I think it's awesome. However, you go back and you watch that. And it just does not stand up. Like, if you go watch the original, if you go watch original New Hope, it stands up pretty good. I mean, even even to this day, there are things that are pretty chintzy in Next Generation that I still love. It's not like it's bad by any means. Uh, but I'm curious to see like, okay, what does Netflix what does Disney do when they watch Rings of Power now? And go, oh, frick. Like, this is being received really well. They threw a ton of money at it. And they've shown that, like, in the in the slew of content. So, like, you could go spend six hours looking for something to watch on Netflix and just, like, barely skim the surface because of the amount of content they have to go. Like, no, like, if we're going to bet the farm on something, let's bet it on something that, like when I heard this Amazon Prime show for Netflix Rings of Power was going to be like a billion dollars they put into it. I was like, what the, like, that's stupid. That's outrageous. There's no way. And now I watched it and I was like, and it was worth every penny that you put in yeah. there.
0: But it won't it be, awesome. it won't be if they don't stick the landing no, in terms of plot define, and character. and stick
2: the landing. Like, what does that, what does that mean?
0: The fact that WandaVision was fantastic until that final episode when we found out that, you know, Mephisto was a boner joke. You know,
1: it's <laughs> you know,
0: it's, it's 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 all about it's it's all about story. The reason why we loved things like Star Trek the Next Generation or for me, you know, for me it was really Stargate, uh, you know, the X-Files. It was all about, you know, in in in, in spite of not having the most realistic I mean, things back then, you know, we we didn't have as much to compare to, but you know when you watch it there's even when special effects don't hold up a lot of times things will if the plot was good or the you know the the writing holds up mm-hmm. i just like so far the first two episodes have been fantastic but then again a lot of first episodes of stuff that disney has put out has been fantastic too and i just really am concerned that you know, I I hope that I hope that they stick it. I hope that they stick the landing. And and I do think that, I mean, it's supposed to be five seasons long. I I appreciate that.
2: Is that true? N- that's awesome. I, I think know that. that's
0: what it is. I mean, I, <laughs> I, think, I I think that that's what they're they're holding to. You know, I I don't know if that'll change down the line, but I appreciate that. It sounds like there is a set story here. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they you know, they probably at least know, I mean, obviously they know where Galadriel is going to end up because we see it in the movie, right. but, you know, so, and I, I think that that parameter is actually going to be a real help for them because they'll be allowed to explore her character within any bounds that they want to, as long as they bring her back to how mm. does she end up as yeah. Kate Blanchett. Um, but for me, I just go... I don't, I don't really want Disney to say we need to put more money towards the special effects, What I want them is to look at that and say, what are people responding to in terms of story and where can we find writers who are actually going to stick the landings for these series that everybody's enjoying?
2: Mm -hmm. I think you bring up a tension though of like, so sticking the landing looks different for all kinds of different people. So like, think about this. Like one of the things I've appreciated most about Rings of Power up to this point is like they didn't just, like, and this is where I'm curious for Star Wars, where Star Wars goes in this, because I feel like Rings of Power right now is introducing so much new while keeping the feel of Lord of the Rings so true. Like, so, I say what you about the Hobbit movies, my, some of my favorite parts of those movies were, it was like the dichotomy between the elves and the dwarves and how they play together and why is there this rift and what's going on and they went back and they touched on it with brand new characters minus elrod or elron who you know is a new character but new new actor doing it but they paid off that same tension feeling that made you love the originals and you're like (laughs) why do i love this like back and forth so much like they had immediate chemistry that was so good without having to do a bunch of um you know, we talked about in our text message a little bit today, the idea of like without having to do um a ton of cameos or you know finish episode one and the Harfoots are like, oh, by the way, this is Bilbo Baggins, great, 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 great grandfather. You know, like they didn't have to <laughs> yeah. do any of that. And it and I'm still bought in and I think it's awesome. And I would just be curious, like, like if you had asked me from the beginning, what do you want in this? I'd be like, "Well, I want them to stick true to the original story," and that's not actually what I want. I think that's what I want, but what I want is I want you to feel like it while giving me new at the same point without having to just go back to the well and like that would be my stick to landing, as opposed to maybe what yours or what D or what other people. I don't know. It feels a little subjective.
1: Well, I can I can compound off that because what I'll say is like. It's funny because Nick, it's episode two. I went and rewatched it the same night, actually. Yeah. And like you said about Star Wars shows, I haven't done that for them recently. And I don't know what it was. Is it was just like for episode two, Rings of Power? I'm just like, I need to watch that again before I go to bed here, real quick. And what I think was what I think was good about the Cause of Doom. And I'm sorry if I'm you know butchering that name because i know that it's a uh, moria but it was called Kaza du- oh you before. killed it yeah you got it man yeah um th- the visuals really hit in that and then you see oh cool they're going with the original dwarf design here kind of like this is this is exciting and then and then the story The story that happened that took place inside there while they were there was awesome you got to learn more about elrond's character while he was in there you got to learn about um prince uh doran while he was in there and he's hilarious he was like low-key one of my favorite characters so far from the show like he was awesome i just think that uh and what I, what I think is never underestimate the power of good dialogue. I think sometimes we get caught in the fact that there needs to be action and happening all the time. There needs to be this. It's like when you have those scenes of, you know, just the scene of Elrond and um, uh, Doran going up the elevator and talking yeah. to each other.
0: Yeah, That was the standout like, scene.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just good dialogue that's what that was some of the things that made game of thrones so great and why i think it brings in the amount of viewership it is on house of the dragon right now is game of thrones is a fantasy my in-laws watch game of thrones they're not like the biggest like fan like they'll they're movie people don't get me wrong but it's like i know a lot of people who watch game of thrones who aren't really fantasy people but i think the thing is is the politics and the real world drama that happens in those shows, people enjoy to watch it unfold. Game of Thrones is on a bit of a more extreme level than Lord of the Rings. But yeah, writing, there you go, writing.
0: but Game of Thrones is the reason why I'm scared.
1: That's true. That's true. <laughs>
0: is there a better, is there a better example of not that's sticking the landing Asp- yeah. and, and, and starting out with literally everything going for you? That's what, that's what really concerns me. And yes, Game of Thrones had that weird circumstance where it was like starting with all of this, like it was an adaptation of these novels and they had all that to work off of, and then they had to create their own ending. And it just, you know, I I get that there was something unique about that, that maybe just didn't work, that that's not what we're dealing with here. And hopefully, if the start of Rings of Power is, you know, reflective of the talent of the writers, and what they plan to do with it, hopefully it will be much more consistent than what Game of Thrones gave us. But that's where i'm just kind of like that that is the quintessential example of how you can have great characters (laughs) great plot great premise great special effects and if you skimp when it comes to the cohesiveness of the writing it's a i mean it is amazing the outrage from game of thrones and then how quickly it disappeared into the ether in terms of being a cultural you know staple because people were so upset and i'm honestly surprised by the reception that house of the dragon is getting right now i i I think that i think that maybe it's both a matter of time that doesn't shock me that doesn't shock me well it is like you said before it, it is a matter of some time it's also a matter of I think that fans recognize that this is different from Game of Thrones since it's this isn't an adaptation that's going to and you know, that's going to require, you know, a similar formula that Game of Thrones gave. Yeah. But that's that's my concern. It's all about the story people, for me.
2: People love what they love. So like think about this, right? Like like how much crap did the prequels get in Star Wars, right? Oh, the, the wooden dialogue. Hayden Christensen's a robot, him and Natalie Portman didn't have any chemistry, which when I saw that, I didn't even pick up on that because I was, you know, 10 and I thought that's what love was. And I still think that's what love is. And anybody else who doesn't think that can just fight me on it. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, when you look at this resurgence of what you like, what is the most tapped into timeline piece right now, it's all going back to that time during the Clone Wars. Right. Like it's all, you know, Kenobi coming right out of that. Right. It's when when Hayden Christensen came back, I've said it on here before. It's like the prodigal son returned. And if you had told 2005, Hayden Christensen, you're going to be standing on the stage at Disney or at a, you know, Star Wars celebration in 2022 to a standing ovation. And all you're going to have to do is walk out there and say, this is where the fun begins. And the place is going to lose its mind. Crazy he would have told you you were nuts because people were like, well, no, we hate this. And it's not good. I think people want it to be good. And so it doesn't shock me that, you know, house of the dragon has rebounded and, you know, brought this series back into contention. I I still think there are people that are waiting in the wings for him to finish writing these books. And it's going to be a whole nother, you know, resurgence of fandom.
0: Well, if it's better, (laughs) I mean, I mean, I mean, it can't be worse. Right. So I think that everybody's excited for whatever he'll give because it can't possibly be worse, right?
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: But but as as we're wrapping up here, the, the one thing that I am interested in, it it strikes me that Star Wars has already gone through this really strange, contentious relationship with canon and legends. Game of Thrones, if if um George R.R. Martin actually does get the books out, they will also kind of have to deal with the same thing in terms of the TV show versus whatever he gives in the final books, you know, now, you know, now there's the question of like, will, is, is there anything in the final books that could be influenced by um, the new TV show? You know, like there's, there's going to kind of be this, this tension there. Lord of the Rings as well. You've got the people who are really upset because clearly Elrond is not Galadriel's son-in-law at this point, and she's not married at this point, And like, I I I look at that and I kind of go I get it, but it reminds me of Star Wars where we've already had to deal with this tension between conflicting source material, and I'm just wondering like what like do you guys have thoughts on like are are like are we just seeing that in all of these different franchises like is this going to like create more of a tension within fandom or is this something that people are just getting used to.
1: Hmm.
2: I do think the more content you put out, the more you're going to cannibalize what you already have. So like, you know, the example of, you know, when Clone Wars season seven comes out and Ahsoka buries her lightsabers, you know, out on this snow planet, how it totally just, you know, craps on what E.K. Johnson did in the Ahsoka book, you know, about where she actually buries her lightsaber, you know, like that's all canon but it just depends on which one you like, you know, as to like what it's going to be. And so maybe I I think the legends, the the one thing that I would say like Lord of the Rings and game of Thrones has for it is that there wasn't, you know, a 30 year time period where all these authors were writing all this. Like, I don't think they'll need to do as clean of a break as like what Disney did to say like, Hey, everything that came before it, y'all can still like it, but it doesn't count. Like, I don't think, um, I don't think they'll have to do that just because it's not as extensive as um you know Star Wars and the Legends canon fight.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think uh I think with Game of Thrones it will be totally fine just because what's being told in House of Dragon right now is in the fire and blood book. George R. R. Martin has written the history of the Targaryens already, so he knows. We know where I mean, if you're watching that show, you can easily look up their family tree that leads all the way up from, you know, King Viserys right now to to Aegon to Daenerys. Like you can see what's you can look at their family tree and you can look at Rhaenyra and everybody in that show right now and you can see who's with who. And you're going to be like, oh, God, some crazy stuff is going to happen in this show because that has been written. And George R. R. Martin's more involved in this. I, I mean, it's George R. R. Martin's fault what happened with Game of Thrones show. Mm-hmm. He screwed up not finishing his book. Yeah. He got disconnected from the show makers. I don't know what the hell happened there, but they kind of went off on their own. If you read the Game of Thrones books, all of the best moments that happened in that show happened hand in hand written exactly in the books how they happened in the show and they were the the best moments i i sense i sense too much gatekeeping uh of lord of the rings which gatekeeping is like a new word i hear all the time and i'm gonna finally use it for once i sense uh <laughs> i sense too you, much man. gatekeeping with it because it's like if if number one if you go look at the rings of power ratings online they're horrible it's 39 percent on rotten tomatoes and really yeah, 65 on IMDb and 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I post. That's not on from all that, viewers. Yeah, it's irrelevant. Those those yeah. ratings are just irrelevant at this point. People should just understand that you should just go and watch something for yourself. Yeah. But it's like if you just want, don't, I love Lord of the Rings. They're some of my favorite things I've ever seen. I, I love them. But if you want new stuff, someone's gonna have to make new stuff at some point. And if yeah. you can't accept that, and the way that you handle it is by going and lashing out about it, it's like, come on, it's yeah. it's just that's stupid crazy, Doc.
2: I, I didn't know that it got ranked that low. I would have been.
1: Uh, wh- no, it's not. Any-
0: it's it's not viewers. They're it's being review bombed by oh. anybody who believes it's woke. Yeah, well, so, I get that. I guess what
2: I'm curious in is like, is there are they giving reasoning as to why no. it's ranking that low, or it's just no. like it's so no. subjective
0: no these are just these are just people who are saying that ah oh, Tolkien spinning spinning in his grave and you know
2: oh so it's no like black people of the books
0: yeah racists yeah,
2: I'm racist. yeah. I'm oh jeez yeah <laughs> all of them are racist just yes? every no. single well,
0: person who's bashing it in terms of the purists who are saying i see what you're saying i don't I get, I like get the diversity I'm just playing devil's advocate yeah so, but, but that's, but that's, I mean, that happened with Miss Marvel that happened with She-Hulk that happened like, I mean, ratings online do not mean anything anymore. That's the yeah. reason why YouTube got rid of the, the like, dislike ratio. It's, I mean, I, I don't know what all of these sites have to do, but Rotten Tomatoes, it simply cannot be what it used to be because it is no longer an accurate reflection of the way that actual viewers are responding.
1: mhm hmm. Yeah, I think even critics score, I don't even trust critic scores anymore. I'm just like, all right, well, if I know a friend who's seen it, I'll uh, maybe ask them about it. Uh, I I like to go on those sites just to see what other uh, movies or shows actors and actresses have have been in, but that's pretty much all i'm using them for so i feel like i i I feel like i almost have like tailed off the original topic i know we're talking about like legends versus you know legend versus canon but yeah i don't know i i I just think i'm totally content with this stuff and Mm -hmm. rings of power was a pleasant surprise for me i'm still very like high off watching i can't wait and you know what uh spoiler alert if you haven't seen it what the hell have you been doing but um (laughs) Who do you guys think uh, the stranger is who came in like, you know, sorry, guys, if you haven't seen it yet, don't listen to this two minute snippet. Just fast forward for two minutes. But um, who do you think the stranger is who crashed on the, in the uh, Comet with the uh, beard and the long hair?
2: Gando. I wonder I was going to say, do I wonder who you think it is based yeah. off of how you just described him.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's what he's labeled as on IMDb is he's labeled as the stranger. So, yeah, I think. That's I mean, exactly I think he, he. I I think he's Gandalf. I I don't know the lore of how a wizard shows up somewhere. I know that, I know that when Gandalf has his conversation with Pippin, um, in Return of the King, when Pippin kind of thinks they're gonna die, Gandalf, it's and it's a great speech. I'm not even gonna try to say what Gandalf says because yeah, again, Tolkien will be turning over in his grave. There you go, <laughs> but. <laughs> Man, I'm just like, that's like the Grogu moment of Rings of Power for me where I'm just like, holy crap, are we going to get like a uh, pure come down from the comet Gandalf who learns how to be a human being in this show? That's a game changer to the entire show to me.
2: So how the
1: first people he interacts with.
2: I'll give you two reasons why I think it's him. Uh, there, so, one in I think it was it two towers when he's describing how he came back and you see like the, he, um he kind of like gasps for air, like that whole sequence that they do where he like explains, like I was brought back. It's so like otherworldly kind of fell from space, kind of look and feel to it. The second being when he turns and he looks at, um, I don't, I can't remember the girl's name, the, the hard foot that he's with. Um, and she like touches his shoulder and he turns and like kind of yells at her and like all of the trees start bending towards her. Did you mm-hmm. notice that everything goes black? Like when he's standing in, <laughs> uh, in uh, Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins' house, yeah. you know, and he kind of puffs himself up and like the whole scene, it, it was very similar. And I, that's for me where I was like, who is up? that's who that is that's it (laughs) i guarantee and if it's not him it's somebody else of the order of you know wizards
1: yeah
0: i mean for me it's that it's clear from the movies that galadriel and gandalf have a past like they clearly know each other they've clearly been through some stuff together so
2: they love each other yeah i
0: mean that is the way that kate blanchett and ian mckellen have basically admitted to playing it so it's awesome yeah. Bilbo but...
1: Baggins,
0: I am <laughs> yeah. not trying
1: to rob you. Yeah, that's I'm good. I'm trying man. to help you. <laughs> and Bilbo's <laughs> just
0: like, oh Gandalf. I'm sorry.
1: You're right. I'm dumb. You're smart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Well, it's just good to know that you know it's it's a good time to be a geek. It mm-hmm. that's that's all I'm taking from all of this. I think that you know, there's always gonna be tensions, there's always going to be fandom stuff. Fandom drama going on, but it sure is fun to be able to just have all of this content coming out. That um, you know, even when things might not work for everybody, or you know, t- you know, different tastes take you in different directions. I don't know. It's just fun that uh, we still come to these stories because we we all love them so much. So, thank but you. thank you, gentlemen, for joining me in our discussion thank you. tonight. And uh, to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening as well. We appreciate you so much. You can feel free to reach out to us. Um, you can find us at Rule the Galaxy SW on Twitter and Instagram, just Rule the Galaxy on Facebook and YouTube, uh, Rule the Galaxy podcast on TikTok, and you can also reach out to us at um uh, SW at gmail.com. So um, once again, thank you so much. I hope that you're enjoying all of the content that uh, has been coming out and we're going to have some more Star Wars to talk um, about in just a couple of weeks. So that'll be a great time as well. Um, Have a great day and may the force be with you.